what has this body done for me? A lot. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Listeners, I'm really excited because my amazing coach recommended that I interview Daniela Dayub. Daniela, I wanted to say that so properly and it didn't smooth off. The t- it didn't roll off the tongue like I wanted it It rarely it to. does. <laughs> anyway, listeners, Daniela is a health coach in the Silicon Valley. She studied all things fitness and nutrition, uh, mostly because she was trying to get herself healthier and better. And then she turned it into a coaching business and I'm thrilled because I've got kajillion questions. And of course, all of them started popping up like since we chatted. And I was like, oh, there's another one I want to ask Daniela. There's another one. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited. I'm so excited you're here too. All right. Little background. Tell us about your family, where you grew up. So our listeners love to hear, you know, sort of that, like what made you you? Right. Um, well, I'm from West Texas, from El Paso. And I, uh, I left that city as quickly as possible. I graduated high school early and went to East Texas and went to college at UT Austin. Okay. And I just loved it there. It's kind of like Texas's version of Berkeley. You know, it's uh, very liberal, very funky. The music scene was amazing. Um, and, uh, and then there was just no going back and staying in Texas. So I got my degree actually in, um, in fashion and retail merchandising. Interesting. And I went to Los Angeles and, uh, was pretty miserable. Daniela, what year, what year is this that you go to Los Angeles? I moved to LA when I graduated college, uh, in 99. Okay. And so LA at that time was what? Oh, it was a hard one for me. Um, you know, being a Texas girl, like everybody's so friendly in Texas, you know, and yes. I'm a little, I was a little bit of an introvert when I was younger and, but boy, you know, I got to LA and it was just like, I don't know. Nobody was, nobody was friendly. You know, I could never meet people. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time meeting guys that were genuine. You know, everybody wanted to know like what they could do for you mm-hmm. or how knowing, no, I just said that wrong. What, what the, you yeah, could what do you for that for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it should have been meant. the other way. I That's exactly not what was what happening. Meant. It was just so inauthentic. And it was really, I found myself kind of running this rat race and trying to put on airs. You know, I mean, I was making like 11 bucks an hour and you know, living in a horrific place and, you know, buying food from the dollar store. And uh, it was, it was hard. And so anyways, a, a job came up for me um, in Palo Alto I was working for Nine West Group at the time, and uh, I didn't even know where Palo Alto was. Mm-hmm. I had to look it up on a map, and I thought, well, it's a college town. That sounds amazing. It's going to be so much more fun. Uh, Palo Alto is not a college town. <laughs> I quickly figured that out. That, no, no, not at all. So anyway, uh, here I am. I'm still here all these years later. And tell your story of nutrition, then food, all of that is part of your journey. Sure. That's a big part of why you help people. Right. Yeah. There was, um, the failing, 
the failing part uh, was long <laughs> mm -hmm. and then the forward part started later on. Um, but, um, you know, I was, I was a child of, you know, late seventies, early eighties, everybody went fat free. I watched my dad try a million diets. You know, I was taught to kind of watch my weight. You know, we started buying fat free milk and my mother was a beauty queen. Uh, you know, she's just gorgeous and kind of effortlessly. So, mm -hmm. um, and I just had these like amazing expectations that I felt like I needed to live up to. Um, and by the time I was 12 or so, I found myself not really comfortable in my skin or, you know, kind of feeling like I needed to hide my body a little bit. Um, and uh, everyone in my family is very athletic and uh, very gregarious and always going out. And anyway, so I started watching what I ate a little bit. And, you know, back then it just meant going low fat. Um and trying to eat as little as possible. You know, it was volumetrics and low calorie and low fat, everything. And by the time I was 16, yeah. I had full blown anorexia going on. So, Daniela, was that, uh, had you seen that in anyone else sort of before you? Or, you know, I actually had, not that I, I mean, that's a great question. I don't remember watching my girlfriend's or actually anybody that I knew starve themselves, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, aside from the, the girls I would see in magazines, you know, like teen Vogue and all that right, stuff I was right. looking at back then. Um, no, I hadn't, you know, and, and, um, you know, my mom's always been lean, but she doesn't like really try that hard. I it didn't just happens. feel like she did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, I mean, obviously now I know she was watching what she was eating, but and she always exercised, oh, she was. She, you know, she like, was. she was watching what she was eating. Okay. Right. But maybe not like, but she's not disordered eating, right. you know, and, and, um, unfortunately I dug in my heels on that at such a young age that it had some really negative long-term health consequences for me. Uh, I probably went, I remember being about 125 pounds. I'm five, three, you know, very normal average size young lady. And I just hated it. I thought I was really overweight. Wow. And, I got down at one point after college, I think I got down to about 92 pounds. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Okay. And did people like, did your family recognize it? Like, how did you get better? Yeah. Yeah, actually. I mean, it got worse when I got to college, you know, and I was in charge of what was going in my mouth. Um, and then it became a condition of me staying in school was I ended up going to therapy and I uh, had to keep going to therapy to with a special focus on the disordered eating. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that I went because I wanted to placate my parents and I wanted to stay away at college. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I found it to be completely unhelpful. Um, you know, I was given this therapist who was, by my measurement, uh, overweight herself, mm -hmm. didn't seem to really care what she looked like or how she was perceived. And I, you know, was just going to say what I needed to say to get through those sessions, yeah. which is exactly what I did. Um, so, you know, and it was a couple years after that until I met somebody, you know, I was working 80 hour weeks in retail and 
I met a guy and he was a personal trainer and he showed me that I needed to eat better in order to have energy so I could get muscle tone. You know, so now we're like, we're in the late nineties, early two thousands. And you, you know, you're, uh, like more muscular women were starting to come into fashion for the first time ever. You know, it was, I remember seeing Terminator and I like, Oh, I really, really wanted her so badly. Like everybody else, you know, and, uh, you can't have that if you're starving yourself, you know, there's no energy to do that. Um, and so I ended up getting really, really into lifting weights and, you know, getting fit like that mm-hmm. and trying to get more muscular tone and I had more energy. Um, so, so that was great. So it kind of got me going in that direction. I ended up during my like downtime at work, I was you know managing a cashmere store at this point, the Stanford mall. And uh, I got my certification in personal training and quit my job that I was getting paid very well at (laughs) actually and started personal training and started all over again at uh god how old was I 26 or 27 so that seemed to uh I I feel like the personal training thing helped the external piece but what helped the mental piece of healing. Well, there was still a lot of mental anguish going on in there at that point. So I was telling people all day long, you know, how to move better. Uh, I was moving better. I was, uh, aesthetically, I looked much healthier than yes. I did yeah. when I was younger. But what I soon found out, I went snowboarding with my ex-boyfriend and I had what was a very, very minor fall and I completely shattered my tibia. Oh my I mean, gosh. the right above my ankle, it looked like shattered glass, the x-ray. Uh, beyond repair, they could not, they could not do surgery. There was, they, it was just unbelievable. So they had to set it as it was. And um, it was a, it was a long three months. And when I came out of that, I went and got a bone scan and found out that I had full-blown osteoporosis Mm. by the time I was 28 years old. So was that the tipping point for you? That was a tipping point. That was definitely a tipping point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when you literally can't, I mean, I'm a very athletic human being, I'm always moving. And Mm -hmm. for me to be like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do sports because I'm that fragile now. And that was, you know, I, I had, in a very formative time in my life, I had pulled out all the healthy fats and minerals and vitamins that my bones had needed to form a strong skeleton. And, um, boy, I tell you, it's, it's, so that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Almost 20 years ago, I found out about that. And, uh, it's been my mission in life to, to reverse that process. And actually I just did a bone scan last month and it was the first, first one since after I had my daughter, that I had positive bone gain. It was the first one. And it's a very hard thing to do at my age. Um, but congratulations. I did. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm not out of the I'm not out of the red zone by right. any stretch of the imagination. But it's less scary than it was two or three years ago. 
So anyway, so that was that was really the tipping point. Like I said, the failing was like a long period of time. Yes. And the forward has been sort of since then. So um, so that's when I really realized that, you know, exercise is a such a small piece of that puzzle. Like it's you really can't out exercise what you're putting in your mouth. Yes. Um, I've heard people say that over and over again, but I really got it. You know, I mean, I was the queen of exercise but the eating part was a totally different game. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. So when I found that out, I started, I couldn't, I was voraciously sucking up every piece of information I could find about um, ancestral health. I got really, really into Ew. the paleo movement yeah. and uh, paleo primal, all that stuff. I went to paleo FX conventions. I, um, I did it all. I met all the celebrities, did all the things, got totally into it. And a lot of that has stuck with me. A lot of it's just good basic principles, but uh, what it really taught me was the value of the quality of what we're consuming. Yeah. Not just the quantity, you know, for, I was. Okay. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but give me a concrete example of that. And then I want to ask you, I, I also want to know, like, what's the number one thing that you're coaching people on today? Okay, so explain the quantity versus quality, and then I'm so curious what's front sure. and center. Yeah, both. I mean, they kind of they kind of move together those two pieces. Uh, so quality meaning, I would rather sit down and have uh, some dark meat of the chicken and some wilted greens with lots of olive oil all over them, and you know, nutrient dense foods, regardless of how much you have. Yes. You know, of course, you get full a lot faster when the, when it's so rich. Um, but what that can do for you inside is so much greater than, uh, you know, a bowl of oatmeal, which, you know, might you might have this nice big volume of oatmeal that fills your belly up and keeps you happy for an hour or two. But nutritionally, you're getting so little there. Interesting. So little, you know, Um and it's, it's really, it helped me shift from the calorie counting mindset of the 80s and 90s yeah. to, you know, going to my farmer's markets, to paying a little extra for the organic produce and the grass-fed meats and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, okay. and to answer your second question about, you know, what am I working with people on right now? Yes. Is shifting them out of that same mindset because the people who reach out to me for help most of the time, not all, but most of my clients fall between the ages of 40 and 70. Okay. Okay. Right. So we're all in that same generational brainwashing of less is more. If you're getting fat, you know, you just got to exercise harder and diet better. And right. I mean, yeah, that's, totally, you know, like, and you know, the butter's bad and eggs are going to give you heart disease and right. <laughs> you know, all of these things. And it's just not true. It's just not true. I mean, if I could go back in time to my 12 year old self yeah, and tell her, eat the butter, have all of it, like the peanut butter, have the chicken neck, have all of those yummy things that you think you shouldn't be eating. I yes. want you to eat all of those and put the cereal down. Yes. And get full and then go outside and have fun and with your run. friends. That's it. Yeah. Go outside. Have fun. Over the years, I've coached executives and young professionals looking to embrace their strengths, level up their leadership 
and find their dream careers. Just like my podcast guests, my clients have been stuck, but I've helped them navigate whatever challenge they're facing and find a way forward. That's the goal of our 10-week coaching program, Move Forward. Through my guests' best practices, our coaching tools, my team and I will help you discover your primary motivations and challenge the unhealthy and limiting beliefs that are holding you back. You'll use neuroscience to create new healthy habits and create a move forward plan for your future. If you're interested, you can visit failforwardpod.com backslash coaching to learn more and to sign up for a one hour exploratory coaching session. That's failforwardpod.com backslash coaching. You and I, when we chitty chatted, I was sharing with you this whole concept of my body image and how awful I am to my body and how I read your blog and it was around visualization. Like it just happened that same day that I was struggling with this. Of course, that always happens in the universe, right? And Mm -hmm. I really wanted to talk about that today personally, but also because I think so I just, this is, I don't know if this is true for men. I'm only going to speak for women and I have this accountability buddy and she and I were talking about this. Like she is on this roller coaster too of like diet, exercise, all this jazz. And, uh, I said, I think you need to like start telling yourself what you love about your body. Is there any correlation between that and health or I don't know, body image or, you know, weight uh, loss. Is, of course, there's all, there's tons of correlations in, in that, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in manifesting what, what you believe, you know, whether you know it's happening or not, if you believe in something, that's the direction you're going to go. So if you think you're going to be successful at something, your chances are way better than if you think you're going to be unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, and I used to, and I got into the practice, you know, the uh, vision boards, you know, and I sure. had like, this, I'd, oh, I'd sit there with all my color chalks and I'd write all these things <laughs> and I'd try to read it every day. The problem with a vision board, unless it's great pictures, is the ability ability, your imagination can create so much more and it could be so much more vivid and real. And that's the important part is being able to see it, feel it, taste it, be in it. Yes. Whatever it is, you know, um, give me an example for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you an example of every, every morning I wake up and before I get out of bed, I just spend about two, three minutes lying there thinking about some of the major things going on in my life. Okay. And I see that problem, whatever it is, once it's resolved and what the beauty of that looks like. So my daughter has been going through some mental health challenges, like a lot of children through the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, the last six months have been really bumpy and really hard in my house and they're starting to get better. Uh, but for the last six months, I have lied there in bed, seeing her 
those couple inches taller that I know she's going to be as this resolves, that big smile beaming across her face as she comes down the hallway towards me, heading outside to meet up with a friend. And her curls flying in the air and her energy just so light and giving the dog a little pat on the head as she runs out. And I've just seen that same vision every single morning. And I tell you what, that little girl has come so far and she is just right on the edge of being that little girl that I saw every morning on her way out the door. Uh, Now, it's not about weight loss. It's not about, you know, whatever. It's about just that feeling of seeing my baby happy. Yes. You know, Um, that's what I'm talking about. I can't, I mean, I can't write that. I mean, I can write, oh, daughter healthy on the board, right? But feeling that is totally different. So I want to share. And what I find is that you have to kind of reset that. You have to find new visions because they come to fruition. Ooh. So soon you're going to have to reset that. Did you do anything with yourself uh, body image wise? Visualization? Um, Well, what I, you know, um, I try to spend less focus on body image um, myself just because. Well, there's just so many becauses on that one, but I focus when I, when I think about the one challenge for myself that I visualize, I actually visualize the bones in my body and how dense they are. Yes. Okay. 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 So you were going to share something. Tell me what you're working on. What's your visualization could be. So I got divorced and just like in anybody's divorce, after you get divorced, you feel gross. You don't feel attractive. You don't feel desirable. Okay, that was my experience. So my cousin said, I want you to visualize yourself feeling really beautiful naked. And growing up for me, Daniela, like I grew up in a Catholic family and, you know, Mm. my, my parents were really more veteran generation. That was not a thing. Okay, let me tell you. Okay. And so when my cousin told me this, I was like, okay, there is no freaking way that I am going to visualize myself being beautiful naked. Like, no. And then I was like, I was like starting to hate my body, like hate my body. When Mm. I'd go in the mirror and get brother dry my hair in the morning, I just look at things on my body and not like them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did start to do it. And I started off small. I started with um, a favorite part of my body, which are, are my hips. So I started with my <laughs> hips and it, and it, I, it's, I'm still a work in progress, but I okay. like myself so much more than I did before. So if you are having a hard time finding a way to not just not hate your own body, but to learn to appreciate and love your body, we have to tap into the feeling that's connected to that, not just what you see in the mirror, which is important, but not really when it comes to like, whatever you see in the mirror is going to be different 20 years from now. Right. And it sure is different than it was 20 years ago. Right. So it's more about who you feel in that body. You know, what has this body done for me? A lot. This body has been so patient with all that I have put it through. 
This body wakes up with energy every day. This body fuels this amazing brain of mine that comes up with these great ideas and interviews all of these wonderful people on this podcast, right? Comes up with these perfect questions, right? What else has this body done? Like, it's not all disconnected. The brain, the body, the feet, the toenails, all of it is connected, right? So tapping into the appreciation, the gratitude for what it gives you uh, might help you give it the things it needs to continue to support you. I just teared up at that. That was so amazing. That was That's Thank what you. I've been missing. Yeah. It's, it's almost like yeah. when you were telling me that it was like, instead of looking at the superficial, instead of being externally focused, go internally focused. Yes. Right. Right. What does it feel like to walk around in this body that I love? Say that again. What does it feel like to walk around in this body that I love? You know, um, it, it reminds me of, you know, we always, there's always been this joke about like, you see these, you go out at night and you see this kind of eh, guy, you know, kind of a schluppy, whatever guy. And then there's, he's got this beautiful arm candy, right? Like the arm candy lady that's next to him. Like, how did that guy get that chick? You know, you hear this all the time. And it's, you know what? It's not because of what he looks like, right? It's because a lot of men, not all, but a lot of men who are just comfortable and love who they are exude this magnetism, this energy that draws other people into mm -hmm. them, you know, and they may not be classically gorgeous, but the outside pours from them. Yes. And there's no reason as women, we shouldn't be able to do that too. The woman who walks in the room with her head down and her shoulders down is not going to draw in new dates or the next chapter or new best friends or any of that stuff. But you walk into a room with your chest up, your chin up, your shoulders back, and people just surround you mm -hmm. because your energy is so great. You know, and it doesn't have to be cocky. It can just be no. happy. It can be, a, <laughs> just it be, can be a, a humble, confident. Daniela, when you got healthier around food, which I know just wasn't physically, it was also mentally. What were some steps that you had to take to resolve the mental piece of it? Um, I, I'm going to say something that maybe isn't an answer you want to hear. And that is uh, the mental stress can be less as, as you feed your body and your brain the things it needs to work better. But, and it's a big but, um, disordered eating, once it gets its claws into you, is kind of always there, you know? And there are times in life when disordered eating is a coping mechanism. Right. It's, right? It's when things are out of control is what alcohol is for me. I mean, right. Exactly. Exactly. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's sex, whatever it is. Um, for me, it's food. And so when life is out of control, when I separated from my ex, 
I was down another five pounds all of a sudden. I mean, like within days, it seems. Um, and so I have to be careful. I've gotten, I've gotten much better. But when life gets a little out of control, mm-hmm. I have to be very, very careful to make sure that I'm getting my healthy breakfast in. I'm having that extra dose of avocado to feed my brain. I'm, you know, whatever it is I need to do, getting lots of sleep, you know, meeting up with friends, um, because that's very likely that I'll have a couple backslide moments, you know? Yeah, that's, I I get that. I get that 100%. Now, the people that you're working with, are they primarily disordered eaters or are they, uh, are they non? Like, is it a mix? And then what are you primarily helping them with? Sure. Um, Well, I'll say (laughs) it's a rare woman over the age of 40 who doesn't have some disordered eating patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Uh, Our societies really beat it out of us. I tell you Um, that said, it's not a major focus of my practice necessarily, unless it's something that has come, come to light for that person. Um, The most of my health coaching clients Um, some of them start off as personal training clients only, and then they realize that they need a little more nutritional assistance. Um, some of them, I get, uh, referrals from functional and integrative health doctors Mm -hmm. in the Bay area, Mm -hmm. uh, who tell their clients, Hey, you know, or their patients, I need you to eat this way. I'd like you to start exercising this way. And, And doctors don't have time to hold their patient's hands and walk them through that process. So, um, so we build in some accountability. I touch base with them week by week. Uh, we figure out what's good for them, what's not good for them. But honestly, a lot of my clients, they just are so confused on what to do. Like they think they're doing all the right things. You know, they're eating healthy. They all tell me they're eating healthy and they're exercising, but they don't have any results. Well, what does eating healthy mean? Like your nutrition shouldn't look like my nutrition. We're not the same person, right? So how do you figure out what it is for them? Well, that's, that takes some time, but, uh, I have them fill out really lengthy questionnaires. So everything from family history, medical history, all the stuff, uh, we talk about poop. We talk about sex. We talk about how they sweat. We talk about wait, wait, wait. all of it. Why do you talk about poop and sex and how they, why they sweat or how they sweat? Oh, Tell uh, me. well, if you're not digesting your food, right, you're not going to have the poop-poo. very good nutritional status, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to poop. You got to poop every day and it's got to feel good and look good and it shouldn't be too stinky. I'm just letting you know. Sorry, I, I should have given you a disclaimer. We were going to. You know what? I'm really glad that you said that. Why shouldn't it's it be? Very important. Super stinky. Because. And listeners, I'm not saying that mine is. I'm just asking that for a friend. <laughs> just, yeah, just for a friend. Uh, if it is, the chances are that you have some dysbiosis going on. So that means maybe too many of the wrong gut bugs growing in your gut and not enough of the good ones. Um, so I can use poop as a really good indicator of other things that are going on. We could look at some other you know, stool testing and stuff like that. Um, we talk about sex because honestly, if you don't have any libido, if uh, you're super moody, if you're a woman, if you have really bad PMS, um, irregular cycles, hormone dysregulation, is usually a big indicator of dysregulation in other places throughout the body. Interesting. Um, so all the hormones are very much interconnected. The hormones that deal with hunger and satiety are connected to your sex hormones, are connected to your thyroid hormones, 
it's really? it's all it's this wonderful interconnected beautiful instrument that we have and so many of us take it for granted and honestly food ends up being a very kind of a small, small piece thing. of what we talk about once you get all the other things going together um wait what about the sweat but yeah well if you can't sweat you're not detoxifying as well right or if you're over sweating then uh maybe we're you know maybe we talk about hydration you know like are you dehydrated? Are you drinking the right kind of water? Do you have electrolytes in your water? Wait, what do you mean the right kind of water? Well, if you're drinking tap water, it's probably not helping you at all. It's going to cause all kinds of other nutrient issues. If you uh, if you're constantly tired and stressed out, we maybe we need a little bit of uh, salt, like sea salt, in your water to okay. mineralize it. That's me. Help you absorb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, help you absorb. If you're peeing all day long it's generally because you're not absorbing the water. You want the water to get into the cells. You don't want it to go straight through you. Okay. Okay. Wow. So you help them figure all of that out. That's like part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we go through a questionnaire, we go through their history. I'll, I'll take a look at blood work. I can get some good indicators just from basic blood work from the doctor's office, you know? Um, and then we start with just the low hanging fruit, like, all right, here's the top three things that are going to help you feel better today. Let's start with those. And then, you know, week by week, we start course correcting here and there. And, um, you know, hopefully after, after about three months, I ask people to work with me for three months to, to see some results. And after that, if they're feeling great, then um, we take the training wheels off the bike and see mm -hmm. how they do. And I'm always there for them if they need. How did COVID impact your business? Did it uptick, downtick? What, how did it impact it? Um, I feel guilty saying this, but it was great, but it, <laughs> it was good for my business. Um, I'll tell you why, because I was still doing a lot of personal training and I was tired. I had a really cool studio in Mountain View and I was working like 10 hour days on my feet and I wanted to do more health coaching and less personal training. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to transition that financially. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly on like March 18th of 2020, I just decided to stay home and zoom called all my clients and worked out a little bit with them at home and started picking up health coaching clients. I mean, like it was amazing how quickly I picked up health coaching clients and um, yeah, now it's like half my business instead of, you know, 10%. So, wow. um, and I never, I never reopened the studio. What is, did you, was it lease space? What would you do with it? I was leasing it and, uh, just brought all the equipment home and stuck it in my garage. And, Great. uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, it's, I still, I still miss seeing people, you know, through the day that energy exchange mm -hmm. is really fantastic, but I don't miss the physical slog of people don't understand how hard personal training is. I mean, you're really, you're really in it all day long. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, uh, when you're good at it, it takes all of you. It's not just a physical job. There's a lot of, you know, planning and plotting going on in your head all day long. I'd come home and just crash, collapse, just yeah. collapse. Yeah. All right. Here's our final question for our listeners. If there's like one or two things that, that they could do, that's kind of simple around food, or maybe it's exercise or visual, whatever, any of your body of work. What are one or two things that you'd have them look at that they could do themselves? Uh, I would occasionally stop eating and see if you're actually hungry. 
That'd be the first thing. Just start with breakfast. I know we all have breakfast at the same time every day. Wake up and just, if you're not hungry, see what happens if you don't eat for a couple hours. Just see. Uh, that little bit of fasting occasionally here and there can do wonderful things for your body in so many ways, which would be its own podcast. So I'll just leave it at that. Maybe that'll just, be our next Just one. check in with yourself. Am I hungry? Um, and get outside every day sometime around noon. Why? Why? Get some vitamin D. Two things. One, the sun is pretty high. So even five minutes will help you. You know, don't put a hat on, you know, maybe pull your sleeves up, get some actual vitamin D, even for five minutes. Okay. Even if you're fair, just get out there, get some natural, natural sun. And so many of us are stuck under these blue lights. We've got really bad circadian rhythm issues, not sleeping well at night, not getting to sleep well at night. You know, you want to send a signal to your brain what time of day it is, right? So okay. start with noon. If you have the luxury of seeing the sun at sunrise or sunset, check that out too. Get outside to see it. Um, but those two things, get outside at noon and just check to see if you're actually hungry. Uh, I'm obsessed with that. And the hungry thing I never do because I tend to just eat when it's the time to eat. And in my Enneagram, I'm a seven and sevens always, uh, their number one fear is pain. And so I never want to not have enough of something if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So like, so can I ask you a question? What, yeah. what would happen if you were, if you were hungry for an hour? Nothing. Like I'd be fine. No, you could, you could, you I'd could still run your business and yeah. function and drive your car yeah. and all those things. Yeah. yeah. I'd be totally fine. Take the fear out of it. Okay. Danielle, thank you so much again for being on today. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.